Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 197 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are coming at you midweek. It is post-NC State. It is pre-UNC. We got a lot to talk about. First of all, introduction time. I am Jason Evans. You already probably knew that. You already probably also know that my partners in crime are with me today. Donald Wine, Washington, D.C. How's it going there in the nation's capital? Donald? It is going well. Uh, it is not me getting off a bus at 8 a.m. like I was yesterday, but that was because I was at the game with Sam on Monday night. Nice. Sam Klein down in Durham, North Carolina. Sam, what's going on, man? Everything is good. I am on spring break. I am having a very relaxing week, and as Donald mentioned, I got to see him on Monday for the game. So that was excellent too. And looking ahead to the you looking forward to the UNC game here on Saturday. Yes, there will be a guest in town for the UNC game. Also, I will be coming yeah. up for the Carolina game. It'll be a lot I, of fun. I, I, that that that's the rumor. So um, you know, uh, hopefully you don't have to. Hopefully you don't have to. <laughs> Streets are talking. Hopefully you don't have to take an overnight bus home like Donald did, but otherwise, yeah, great. Can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. And uh, go to the board, folks. Uh, Hit us up on email, dbrpodcast at gmail.com if you want me to come say hi to you at the game. Can't guarantee that I'll I'll find you, but, you know, what the hell? Hey, It's funny you you mentioned that. What is this? It's funny you (laughs) mentioned that, Jason. You know, walking just walking through campus on Monday with Sam – we had a couple people come up to us just on voice recognition to go, you guys are with the podcast. It's kind of weird, but it still That's also crazy. never gets yeah. old uh, that, that we have fans I, that can recognize us by voice. So shout out to all you guys out there. I can confirm that that did happen and was cool. That is that's <laughs> that's fun. I, hey, by the way, I, I got to give a quick shout out. Uh, a gentleman named William West is the person who has provided me with tickets for the Carolina game. I told him that I would thank him in public. William, you're the best. Thank you so much. A dude giving you tickets for the Carolina game is a good person. I believe that is the way to get into heaven. So, uh, William, thanks a lot, man. I'm really looking forward to coming up for that game. But does before, this, does this yeah. on the internet? Does does this show on the internet count as in public? I, I, I think I'm just so. not. Yeah. Okay. I just what, I wasn't clear. What about do you that. mean by that? I'm, I'm well, you said you, you said he want you he wanted you to thank him in public, and I just don't know if if on the internet counts as in public. That's all. Okay, here's here's what you do, Jason. I, I don't know what. The, okay, here's what you do, Jason. <laughs> on Saturday, on Saturday, you just walk to Kville and start this portion of the podcast and play it loudly so that everybody can hear. Thus, in public. You I mean, could also hold think... up a sign. You could hold up a sign at the game that says "Thank you, William West," um, and people would think, think like, "Oh, is... we are making more out of this than he wanted." I think he was like, "I think I said to him, I was like, hey, man, I'll give you a shout out of the podcast.'" And no, he was that's like, what I'm. Okay, I'm good whatever. at making. I'm good at making a lot out of nothing and nothing out of everything. So that that's that's really the value that I bring. So, anyway, you want to talk about the NC State game? Yeah, I was kind of trying to get there. You know, it was going to happen. The Blue Devils, you know, we're in a better mood. We're in a better mood because unlike last week when we were coming off of two losses and things looked dismal, oh, hey, the Blue Devils appear to have found themselves again. They put a beat down on the NC State Wolfpack 88-69. to The story of this game was the second half when Duke outscored NC State 50-33. to It went from being a really close competitive game to being a laugher in like uh, it was like instantaneous i don't even know how it happened in fact donald you tell me you were there 
How did this happen? What, 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 what happened? How did Duke suddenly wake up? It started with defense and it started on the rebounding glass. We talked about last episode that we wanted to see Duke be more aggressive inside and on defense and on, and on rebounding. And they did that a lot of times. They listened to us. They listened they to listened. us. They listened. They listened to the We podcast. diagnosed the problem cool. and they fixed it. <laughs> yeah. And we're the only ones. We're the only ones that figured that out. <laughs> well, it started there. <laughs> it, it, but here's the thing. First, I'll start with rebounding, then I'll get to the actual defense. Rebounding, we out-rebounded them 46 to 27, but the real key was in the offensive glass. We out-rebounded them on the offensive glass 16 to 9. And really, most of those nine that NC State had was in the second half. I believe it was maybe till the 12, it took to the 12-minute mark of the second half for them to actually record their first offensive rebound. We were really, really, really good. On, on defense and, and just getting the rebound, limiting them to one shot and going out. Now they didn't shoot as well. And that's because of our defense. And it started out with they were, you know, they were penetrating the paint. They were getting some points. And then coach K did something that he rarely does. And he switched to zone and we'll, we'll get some thoughts on how the players enjoyed that. But from the outside perspective, it felt like they really did enjoy it because they really knuckled down, uh, Putting two guys up top for, you know, Trey Jones and Jordan Goldwire, for the most part, allowed them to be more aggressive. And I want to comment on Jordan Goldwire's aggressiveness because I thought it was one of the keys to this victory. He was really, really, you know, just in your face. He didn't he may not have got the steal, but he helped force one or he helped force a bad shot or he helped force a bad pass. These things were really contributing to us getting rebound and then also just the transition. We got a lot of points off transition. Those things that we have seen at the beginning of the season that kind of waned over the last couple of weeks, they came back in a big way in the second half. And I think those combined things made it so that it became a laugher very, very quickly. So I'm glad you talked about the rebounding because uh, the, the, the thing to point out about the offensive rebounding, we got 16 offensive rebounds, like you said. Uh, they only got the, the Wolfpack only got 18 defensive rebounding re, de- defensive rebounds. Basically, when the ball went up, we were almost as likely to get an offensive rebound as they were to get a defensive rebound. That is a formula for failure for a team every time. It's a formula for success if you are the team getting those offensive rebounds. And and the cool thing was it was it was really spread out. We had five different guys get six or more rebounds. And and speaking of six, you know of, of of having different guys contribute. The second half was basically only six players. We've talked about depth. We've talked about rotation and things like that. The final 15 minutes of the game, Coach K played Trey Jones, Jordan Goldwire, Cassius Stanley, Wendell Moore, Vernon Carey, and Justin Robinson. That's it. I don't recall a single other player. I mean, Alex O'Connell and Jack White didn't get in the game at all. Joey Uh, Baker got... Jason, yeah. you're absolutely right, but real quickly, I feel like you're being a little bit disrespectful. Justin Robinson should have been led first. You're you're right. I was I was going to get to him in a second. I was going to say Joey Baker got the start. He played about four minutes. Never played again. Pretty much the same thing happened with Javon Delorier. Got the start. Played a few minutes. Pretty much didn't play again because J. Rob showed up again. I, I don't know how you could possibly look at what he's done the past few games and not say that this guy must be in the rotation going forward. He plays 14 minutes. He scores 10 points, six rebounds, blocks a shot. 
He's raining three pointers. His three pointers kept us in the game in the first half. Um, yeah, he a, a really, really impressive, really impressive performance by him. Coach K shattered him out in the post game. Um, Sam, I, you know you haven't go go go. I, I stole your topic. I know you wanted to talk about depth. Talk about it, Sam. Jason, I, I think you teed that up perfectly for me, which is that the the rotation here is is I think the most interesting thing about this game. Seeing Justin Robinson, who has not been a regular contributor on this team in his five years until now, has been really cool. The flip side to that is that while Robinson has been playing really well, I think there's there's a little bit of a bummer here in that Javin Delorier and Jack White are not contributing as much to this team. As you pointed out, Delorier only plays a few minutes. Jack White doesn't play at all. And, you know... I think there's something behind the scenes that's going on that we can't see. There's something in practice that is preventing them from getting minutes. One of the funny things from the post-game press conference, and this is not something you see very often, was someone asked Coach K about some of the decisions he's made recently, and and he made a comment about pointing up into the rafters and saying, "Look, I've got I've got all these banners," which is a I think is a little bit of an aggressive flex for, well, wait, for wait. Coach K. what he said. Let's be clear. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what was the, exact what thing? he said was uh, he was talking about fans criticizing the players. Ah, and yes. he said, he was like, don't criticize the players, criticize me. And then he said, but if you're going right, to criticize me, make sure you come into Cameron and look up at the rafters before you criticize, which is look, a major a little, league flex. It's it was a little bit, smoke him if he got extra. <laughs> it was a little bit extra from Duke's hall of fame coach. But what's weird about it is that, and this, this comes back to the discussion. I think we had on the last show about the rotation, which is that we're, we're late in the season and we still don't really know. I think we know who the best players, who the most, important players are on this team because they're getting the most minutes. That's Vernon Carey. That's Trey Jones. That's Jordan Goldwire. And then Cassius Stanley and Wendell Moore, I think behind that, that top three group behind that, it is such a mess game to game. And that's what I think is so concerning to Duke fans and what makes this, this recent string of games. So, um, so fascinating to look at because we've had these huge swings. Look at the score of this NC state game. It's almost exactly opposite the score from the last NC State game. Duke loses by 20 in Raleigh, wins by 20 in Cameron, give or take a couple points. That is the that's the difference here, but they're totally different games. NC State is able to to make all kinds of shots in the other game. Duke plays zone in this game and is able to lock NC State up in the second half and use that zone to to create more turnovers and and get a little bit more out on the run. I did Donald Donald sort of teased this earlier. I did get to go in the locker room after the game. And, and you know that I, when I get to go talk to the players, I try not to ask them the same questions that everyone else is asking them. I try not to, I, you know, my, my time there, I'd say my time there is precious and I'd like to get the most out of it. So I've only got one clip for you today, but uh, what was most interesting to me was the fact that Duke made this dramatic switch to the zone in the second half. There was no prompting that it was coming. We hadn't seen it yet. And so I was asking a couple of the players what they thought about it. And I wanted to give you Vernon Carey's reaction to playing the zone as it was on Monday night against NC State. (laughs) 
how did you handle the quick turnaround from Virginia game on Saturday into into the game tonight? Yeah, um, we we didn't really do anything after the Virginia game. We just got recovery, and got our bodies right, and just just uh, watch film on NC State and just preparing a little bit. Do you enjoy playing zone defense? Uh, no. <laughs> Why not? What 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 what's different about it, and and how do you and how do you adjust? I mean, first we just we haven't we haven't gone on it all season, and just um, I mean, there's always like openings in the in the zone, and just you have to like make a decision. But for man, you just stay with one person, and just I mean, it's just man, it's just uh, just the norm, really. How did you do um, against NC State's double teams tonight? They were bringing it just like everyone else has recently. Um, have you been able to make any adjustments to that? What's different now about the way you face double teams? Uh, just, I mean, I know someone's going to be open on, on, on our perimeter, so just just finding them and then reposting quickly to just try to get a quick seal so the double team can't come uh, as quick as it did on the first pass. And have you been working more on on finding those open people and, and getting those passes right yeah we always we always do like uh, skill work and just passing out of the post and then reposting quickly and scoring and stuff like this how does it feel with the end of the season coming you got one more one more home game before before you take off for postseason any thoughts about being in Cameron this season and what it was like um, I mean it's energetic <laughs> it's energetic and just the fans they always bring in just just playing I mean it's extraordinary just to play in Cameron. So just having that experience, it's been great. Cool. Thanks. So, so Sam, the hysterical thing about that, about that Vernon Carey clip is that they hadn't practiced zone. Like they haven't practiced it. And, and by the way, we, I, we, we won't play it here. It's sort of redundant to Carey's comment, but multiple other players that I talked to said the same thing. So it's not like, it's not like Vernon Carey had some weird, you know, blackout over the weekend where he didn't realize that they were practicing zone. Everyone said, Trey Jones told me that they didn't really know this was coming. And what was so weird is that they were like switching back and forth between zone and, and man. And the guys all really seemed to embrace it. Carrie, I mean, it sounds like Carrie didn't really enjoy doing it, but he was, he was effective in the zone. He was able to find space, you know, for uh, anyone who's tried to play any sort of zone defense, two, three is sort of the, the standard one, but if you've ever tried to just play zone defense, like in a pickup game or even with guys you've played with a lot, it is not natural to be like, all right, I'm going to guard this man right here, right here, right here. And then oh, I'm just going to let him go. That is so against what I think everyone thinks when they play defense in basketball and Vernon Carey, who, you know, is, is not like the greatest defender, the greatest post defender that Duke has ever seen, but he kind of knows where he's going, right? He, he's comfortable stepping out. Um, even if he gets burned by smaller players, he's comfortable sort of getting space out near the three-point line as a defender. He knows where he's supposed to be. He just, I think he just needs more reps on, on being in all of those places. But even he is like, you know, th this is a totally different way of thinking about defense for him. And, and he adjusted and the rest of the team adjusted. And as I said, you can look and see that, that Duke, um, Duke used that defense to propel them to victory in the second half against against State. It's just wild that Coach K would um, would let the players run out there without having really prepared it. So, uh, Sam, I obviously was not in the locker room with you when you got that audio, which is hilarious. To me, it sounded like when you asked Vernon Carey that question, he kind of looked around before he said, nah. <laughs> no. Oh, he did. No. He did. <laughs> it's it was, like, oh, it was a, nah. He was, he was pensive. I would say. Yeah, that's the word. That's a great word like, for it. I think I think the thought in his mind was, I don't want to say it, but I don't think I could get out of this one. So. Right. Um, 
but so there's a couple of things on the zone that I thought was interesting. The first was it, it coach K at this point in the second half, especially in the second half, when the first half, when it switched, everyone was kind of like, are we playing? We're kind of playing a fluid zone. It went from kind of like a, a two, three, and it, it sometimes it morphed into a one, three, three, and then a one, two, two. And it one, seemed three, like three would be impressive. Oh, I'm sorry. One, that would be one, very one, three, one. Sorry, be, I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my soccer play, formations. We need to play that defense more because that's playing seven defenders. I think is going to be really effective. <laughs> well, that would involve two refs, and you know how I, you know how that goes. And you know what so. you know how those accusations go against. You know how that goes. Yeah, but anyway, it kept morphing, and I feel like in the second half, Coach K. I mean, there's a point he took his jacket off. He, you know, I switched up to where Sam was sitting. And we, we sat in the seats and we sat in for the Clemson game last year. Yes, that Clemson game where Zion did the 360. And at a certain point, I was able to see, you know, where I could see the defense and how it was evolving. He was trying to get them to be more aggressive. And there was a point where Cassius Stanley did a alley-oop dunk, his first one. He did an alley-oop dunk. He ran back down on defense. And there was a guy in his corner. And it was just behind him. And Coach K kept yelling at him to get the guy in the corner. And at this point, NC State called a timeout, and he was he goes up to him immediately. He's like, "Yo, what are you doing? This is what you need to do. You need to be in this guy's face right here." And they had a verbal, you know, you know, verbal spat back and forth for maybe like ten seconds. It wasn't, you know, bad, but at the same time, I was like, "Okay, let's see how Cassius responds to this." On defense, he was he was incredibly aggressive on that guy in the corner. He forced a bad pass, which led to a bad shot, which led to him running down and getting the alley-oop that was replayed over and over and over and over again. Number um, one play. Sports Center's number one play. It was Related. Top, top Sam play. and I yeah, know exactly where we need sick. to sit every single time we go to a game now because we've seen two meteoric dunks from those seats. And, uh, yeah, so Duke just hooked me up with those tickets for, for the rest of the time. Uh, but, really, the defense, them being aggressive, is what led to a lot of this stuff. And I, I really appreciated that they were aggressive on defense. They were aggressive on the glass because it led to those transition points. And we talked about in early in the season how those came so easy to us. And we would win games by having, you know, 25, 30 points in transition. Well, we did that on Monday night. And that was the reason why. And those plus the momentum that comes with it is what took NC State sales to just burn them. They were done. And the rest of the game was really just them figuring out what happened to let them. I mean, remember they beat us 88 to 66 in Raleigh. This game was 88 to 69. And at the under 16 timeout, I believe it was 53, 52 or something like that. So this was a killer backbreaker and it really was aggressiveness on defense leading to transition points. So the other thing I'll say about the zone is that I think it befuddled NC state. I'm not sure they knew what to do with it. They, they ended up taking a lot of medium range jumpers um, like they were really good. State was really Duke, Duke. Duke didn't play great. It wasn't like Duke was suddenly Syracuse. We were not playing great zone defense. State was able to penetrate. Thank the God. Middle of thank the God. Game. Duke is not suddenly Syracuse. I don't want that. <laughs> I'm just saying, in terms of our ability to play a good zone defense, um, uh, State did a had had a relatively easy time sort of getting the ball to the foul line, which is when you play in a two three zone, that's where you don't want it. Um, but they would get it there, and then it's like they couldn't figure out what to do with it. And so they took a lot of medium-range jump shots. Newsflash, medium-range jump shots are the worst shot in basketball nowadays. I mean, I guess long-range, not quite a three-pointer is worse, but that, it's just not a great shot to be taking. And 
the so impact- you're saying, Jason, you're saying that all the mid-range shots that UNC miraculously made against Duke won't fall again this Saturday in Cameron? Can let, let's 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 one, wait on one that. thing at a time. We're going to get to that. <laughs> no, but I was going to say that the the thing that it created was uh, it it created Duke's rebounding to some extent, uh, at least on the defensive boards, because uh, you know State's taking these uh, again these medium range jump shots. They didn't really have anybody underneath the basket. Duke was getting easy uncontested rebounds throughout the second half. Um, and State was basically one and done anytime they 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 took this shot, uh, but. So Donald mentioned, I want to get back really quick to, he mentioned, you know, hey, we we got out on the break a little bit. Um, we we're able to run some. Everyone sort of feels that that fast breaks and running are, are, are a result of turnovers, that when you get a turnover, you get out and run. That's true, but it's also, it also comes off of defensive rebounds a lot. In fact, you get, you actually get more fast breaks off defensive rebounds because there can be more of them than there are turnovers than you do off of turnovers. I, I thought this game, to some extent, was like a microcosm of the season. Duke looked terrible. They looked disinterested. They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn at times. And then they would get out and run. And when they would get out and run, they suddenly turn into perhaps the best team in the country. I just don't know how we find consistency in all of this, how we're able to get the energy that we had late, the energy that led to Cassius Stanley um, making those absurd dunks. I don't know how we find that consistency. If we do... You know, this team's going to cut down some nets over the next couple of weeks and, and perhaps wear rings as a result of it. But I'm not sure. I, I, I still don't feel like I have a sense that, yes, this team's going to play this way with any degree of consistency. Um, it's, it's really it's frustrating from a fan standpoint because you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, I, we were tied with NC State you know, five minutes into the second half, we were not playing well. We looked like a team that had lost a couple in a row and, you know, we're on our way to a four seed or something like that. And, and then suddenly we're the team that's contending for a one seed again. I, do either of you have a thought on this? <laughs> Duke is contending for a one seed again. Well, I know I'm saying in terms of the quality of our play, I'm saying in terms of, um, we're let not. See it. We're not. Oh, let me let me clarify. We're not contending for a one seed. We are playing well enough to be a one seed. I think that. Yeah, it's a good distinction. Duke is not getting a one seed at this point. I think we've right, right. Yes. We've sort of covered that at length. Um, and and to your to your point about Duke playing like a one seed, I want to see it against a team that's making the NCAA tournament before we declare that that changes have have been made. It, it you know. Duke although was, although our struggles our, our struggles have been against teams look Wake Forest NC State Wake Forest Virginia NC State and Wake Forest not making the tournament Virginia, Virginia right Virginia a, a bubble team a bubble team is playing really well they probably I think Virginia's probably up I, to about six or seven at this point this is getting us this is getting us ahead to looking at the ACC tournament but one of the things I'm most excited to see in the ACC tournament is Duke back on a neutral court sometimes with these Duke teams, we kind of know a little bit more about the rotation, even as early as November or, or December when Duke gets three or four neutral court games, you know, in New York or, or wherever those exempt tournaments are this year, it feels like the team has changed so much throughout the season as we, I mean, the rotation is, is the easiest thing to look at, but you can also look at who's doing all the scoring, you know, the, the style of play has changed because it's been so long since Duke has played anyone other than ACC opponents in ACC arenas, 
being able to see them, even if it's still against the same opponents, but in a neutral site like the Greensboro Coliseum is going to be really informative to us, I think, about how well Duke is actually playing. As I noted, the turnaround from the NC State game the first time to two weeks later is so huge. And, you know, the same players are playing for Duke. The rotation's a little bit different, but but it's it's the same guys available. Shows you how different it is playing at Cameron Indoor versus playing in another ACC arena. Sam, I was going to say exactly what you were saying about the neutral courts. And really, when you talk about the times that we've, there's been some times where we've had six, seven, eight losses in the last few years where we still ended up with a one or two. And it's because the committee said, yeah, you can say what you want, but they lost all those games on the road. And none of these games are on the road. We played our last road game of the season Saturday night in Charlottesville. After that, it's, you know, this game on Monday night, the, the game on Saturday against UNC at home, and then it's neutral sites where we are so far undefeated. So these guys, and especially, you know, looking at this tournament, if they put us in the East, we go to the garden where we arguably, I mean, we had, it took the Knicks three months to have a better record than us in their building. So if we're going to be playing in the garden, that's going to speak well. And, and that would tell, tell me that the committee values the fact that we can play well with anybody on a neutral court, and they would give us that home field, home court advantage of being in the garden, a place that we have traveled to and played at so much. Well, but before any of that, we got the Carolina Tar Heels, and we will talk about them after this quick break. All right, folks, it's time for a preview of what is coming up next for the Blue Devils, and that is North Carolina. The Tar Heels, who have been at the bottom of the ACC standings for quite some time, um, have played their way into Jason, now could a... you, Jason, could you do me a favor? Could you just, yeah. repeat, could you just repeat that? Just, it just oh, sounded oh, really sure. good. The Tar Heels, who have been at the bottom of the ACC standings for a long time. Thank Let me you. say it a third time. The Tar Heels are at the bottom of the ACC standings. Anyway, they are currently in a, count it, one, two, three, four, five-way tie for last place in the ACC. <laughs> there are five teams that have six victories. Miami, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Wake Forest, and Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, Carolina has one game left, and Duke has one game left, and they are playing each other in Cameron this weekend. I will be there. Sam will be there. So it just seems appropriate that Donald – why don't you start by telling us what you're looking to in this game as the Blue Devils close out their season on senior night? Aggressiveness. And I'm looking for that because, as you guys know, in Chapel Hill, we didn't play aggressive until the last couple minutes of the game in overtime. And I'm looking for that to be the case from jump. This is a game where nobody, I don't care what UNC's record is, nobody should worry about the players, the fans, the crazies, the coaching staff being up for this game. This is the last game of the season. This is Carolina. This is the rivalry. Senior night. There are all these things that are going for us that we should be, from the jump, aggressive in their face, making sure they realize that, yes, you are in tied for 15th place for a reason. And I, I think that starts with, here's the thing. Sam and I talked about this after the game on Monday night. Justin Robinson will probably start this game, not because of senior night, but because he's earned it. And it's not going to be one of those petty, you know, 
senior starts that sometimes happens on a senior night game where we start everybody for the first couple minutes. Hey, hey, He's I got a question. Be- Wait, do mm-hmm. we think that J-Rob, Jack White, and Javin Delore will all start, the, the three seniors? No. no. I think Javin will start. I think we'll see Javin and J-Rob and maybe uh, – and then Trey Jones and Cassius or, and Wendell Moore maybe. I, I don't know who the other so three Carrie, will be. I mean, so Carrey checks in – Kerry checks in before the first media timeout. Yes. He'll check in for Javin. Um, by by the way, immediately. really, really, really quick on Jack White, because you didn't mention him. There, there apparently, there, there are some folks who've noticed that he has a brace or something on his thumb. He, he may be having a, a sort of uh, the Duke cone of silence about a hand injury um, that may be one of the reasons he has not played a lot lately. But uh, well, they uh, again, honored him. They honored Australia before the game on Monday night. They even played the Aussie the whole country? national anthem. Yeah, they, they honored <laughs> yeah. the whole country just for Jack White. Just for Jack White, and he didn't play. So I missed the I, I missed them saying because I, I couldn't hear it over the loudspeaker that they were specifically honoring Australia because I had I had like walked out to the bathroom. So I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I heard the sort of garbled why? introduction on the why, why, I don't know. Why, <laughs> I don't know. It's there? <laughs> they, I don't know. Australia Day is January 26th. I know that because it's also Michigan's birthday. I, yeah, but that was I don't a month know why they did it in March. Wait, Michigan's birthday? The yeah, state? When, Mich- when Michigan was admitted to the Union. January you know the day Michigan was admitted to the Union? Jason, yeah. you got to know this stuff. You got to know these things, man. Know your history. What? Know your history. Know your history, sir. The 26th state I, in the Union. I was going to say that I, I walked out to the bathroom and, and I heard the, 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 announcer say something about the anthem i couldn't hear exactly what he said and then they started playing the music and i was like it sounds like it's in the same genre as the united states national anthem but it is not the united states <laughs> national anthem like what song are they playing you went through all the pictures so you're like god bless america no it's not oh it's like, this not that. Is, no america the uh, is that australia and they had <laughs> and they had they had a Duke, uh, I think there was a was there a Duke acapella group out there? It, yeah, right. Anyway, uh, I didn't understand. Rhythm and Blue sang the uh, national anthem. Rhythm and Blue sang the anthem, but but they had like a band playing. They had a band recording of the Australian anthem, or, or yes. they had the band playing the anthem. No, it was a recording. So it was confusing. Yeah, uh, but anyway, back to the aggressiveness. I, I think starting, you know. Oh yeah, J-Rob, we're playing Carolina. <laughs> right. So we're starting with this because I think J Rob off the bench or starting the game. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to, you know, he's been aggressive every time he's come into the game the last couple of weeks. And I, I like when I see him on the floor because I know that aggressive is coming and everyone feeds off of that. You could tell all the players. It's not like we're like, oh man, Justin Robinson's the game. These guys get pepped up when they see Justin Robinson check the game. The fans do, the players do, and everyone not levels up a notch. And so I think that's going to, how we're going to be how we start out Saturday night. The key to this, though, is doing what we did on Monday night, taking that aggressiveness, feeding it into our defense, and using that for transition. Because we can beat UNC in transition. We just got to remain in control when we do it. We didn't do that in Chapel Hill, and that's why we were kind of erratic. All the other things, the shooting, you know, those things, even if we have a bad shooting night, if we're aggressive on defense, it's going to lead to easy points on the other end in transition where we can really beat them because if we if we win that margin that means UNC A is not doing their job on offense and B they're tired. So both of those mean that we're going to have them and then the added factor of being in Cameron 
I hope I think Cameron is ready to give us that plus four bump that we always talk about in Vegas. These guys are ready for this game. We don't care that UNC is at the bottom of the standings. We want to end this with a victory. I think everyone's going to be ready for that on Saturday night. And if we start off with the energy and the aggressiveness that we showed in the second half against NC State, we're going to be running away with this game. So the Tar Heels are are, are not playing in any postseason other than the ACC postseason. Um, so and, and and it's you know it's it's certainly unknown if they will get a sort of marquee. They, they'll they'll have to win a couple games to get a marquee game in the ACC tournament. This is their Super Bowl. Uh, this is sort of their last chance, I think, to to really make a splash um, nationally uh, in a game that people really pay attention to. And and I think um, we're going to have to bring a lot of effort because I think Carolina is going to. First of all, Carolina has been playing better lately, especially they were incredibly offensively challenged earlier in the season. They are starting to play a lot better on offense. They're starting to hit a lot more of their three pointers. Um, uh, Brandon Robinson was not there for the first game against Duke. Um, he will most assuredly be there for this game. Um, uh, Chris Keeling, who's a senior, uh, a grad transfer, he's a senior, um, you know, shot, has shot terribly from three all season until like the past uh, five to seven or eight games, something like that. And he's gotten really hot. He's hitting almost 50% of his three-pointers. Um, you know, be on the lookout for him. And of course, there's Cole Anthony, who, uh, was super inefficient earlier in the year and even when he first came back from injury and the past couple games looking like he's found his shooting stroke. Um, so do not think this is a typical game against a team at the bottom of the ACC standings. Um, we always say, you know, throw it out, throw out the records when it's Duke and Carolina. Um, even with the huge disparity um, it, with Duke being one of the top teams in the conference, Carolina being one of the bottom teams in the conference, I still I think we're in for a close game and we are going to have to bring that intensity that Donald was talking about. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm worried about Carolina shooting really well. I think the formula where they beat the Blue Devils is one where Robinson, Keeling and Anthony um, hit their outside shots. Uh, that that's that's where I'm the most concerned, especially if Duke tries this zone some more, I think Carolina will try and just shoot over the zone as opposed to NC State who tried to get into the middle of the zone and then throw up bricks. Sam, what you got? I think you hit the nail on the head with being concerned about Carolina shooting in the first game. Carolina couldn't miss any shots, which is why Duke had to had to have heroics to just to pull the game out, even though, as, as you noted, the difference in in the two teams' like overall resumes this year is is pretty large so looking for duke to you know prevent those same successful mid-range shots that that carolina had jason i have a i have a more optimistic thought on duke's playing the zone which is that it's going to especially with their comments after the game about how they haven't really practiced it i think that's a little bit of a a mind play against roy williams because is should carolina prepare for the zone should they not should they think that it's going to look the way it did on Monday, or is it going to improve because Duke has a few days of practice? I think that that's a little bit of mind games from Coach K out to Roy Williams, and then maybe even to some of the other opponents that Duke will face next week in the ACC tournament. So that's a it's a it's a big X factor for Duke because no one really knows, and perhaps even the players don't know how often they're going to play it. The other thing that I am going to be watching, and I don't know how much we're going to be able to tell about this during the game is and we'll 
sort of get to this topic more at the end of the season, but this is a year where Duke's had Duke had a lot of players coming in this season who we thought might be one and dones. I think that the narrative on a lot of them has changed throughout the year, and we have a number we have more players this year, I think, that we're unsure about what they're going to do after the season than we have the last few years. So those April podcasts will be full of us speculating about what's going on and reading the tea leaves. The first indicators come in the final home game of the season, the game against UNC. You'll see how some of these these freshmen and maybe the upperclassmen are reacting to the game. Um, they won't they won't get accolades. We haven't seen that uh, in years past, even for the most obvious one and done. They haven't gotten sort of senior type accolades. But you you can you can kind of get a glimpse of of who's really feeling the moment, who's who's kind of taking it all in, and then of course watching the uh, whatever sort of ceremony they have for Delorier, Jack White, and of course for Justin Robinson because those guys will be playing their last home games on on Saturday night against UNC. Yeah, it's a lot to look forward to. Uh, like I said, I'll be there. I just can't stop mentioning that I'm going to be at the game, Duke Carolina. We know, game. we got it. Yeah, I'm also so going into this game. I, as you know, I'll I'll also be in the building. I am three and three lifetime in Duke Carolina games that I've attended. Uh, as far as like, oh, that must be fixed. Goes. That must so be um so and and tomorrow or Saturday is the last game. I assume the last UNC Duke game I'm going to see for a while uh, after I graduate. So yeah, I'd really like to go out. I really like to go out four and three. That would be that'd make me feel good. So let's Sam. I. You you say three and three, but I feel like I mean knowing when you graduated, uh, I feel like some of those losses should have been vacated. So take that with you. Yeah, that was I, I was there for two of <laughs> cheaters, two, two of the Ty Lawson, Tyler Hansborough years. So I will um, I will say really briefly, uh, my my trip to Cameron for the NC State game, thanks to Sam, uh, my streak continues. I'm undefeated in Cameron since I graduated from college, and I've been to see every Duke team since then in Cameron. So thanks, Dan. The streaks pretty good. continue. That's pretty good. So uh, we will be back uh, after the Carolina game. It, it, it may be weird. It may be a little unusual. We're, we're sort of talking about doing something different for our post-Carolina game recap just because of the logistics of where we're all going to be. But we will wait until after the game, and you all will hear what happened with us, <laughs> with our uh, Carolina experiences. Um, uh, Duke, uh, of course, has the ACC tournament coming up right after the Carolina game. We will be previewing that very, very soon. But for now, this is episode 197 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Donald and Sam, thank you for joining me. I am Jason, and this is the Duke Band, and they are going to play us out and take us home. Thank you.